This is the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm Tatum Everett before our regularly scheduled episode because we had some breaking news on Thursday afternoon. Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell informed Ed Donatel that the Vikings would be going in a different direction at defensive coordinator in 2023. O'Connell's statement read as followed. While this was a difficult decision because of the tremendous respect I have for Ed as a person and a coach, I believe it is the right move for the future of our football team. I want to thank Ed for his commitment to the Vikings this past season, for the positive impact he had on our players and coaches, and for his role in helping me as a first-year head coach lay this foundation. We all wish Ed and his wife Sherry only the best in the future. We will immediately begin our search to fill this critical role as we continue to build a championship standard for the Minnesota Vikings. Again, Ed Donatel no longer with the Vikings. The podcast was recorded on Wednesday. I hope you enjoy this episode with our special guest, Mark Rosen, but just keep that in mind when you listen up next. I mean, we saw what happened when the Vikings beat him here on Christmas Eve. Well, but I think the Giants learned a lot from that game yeah. and learned how they could attack this Vikings defense. And that's when it comes back to bite you a little bit because you realize, man, they had some close calls uh, that may never happen again. And they were exciting, and the Vikings deserve all the credit in the world for coming back and finding the resolve to win those games. But there was always that unsettling sort of feeling like they just can't put a team away. It was an abrupt end to the 2022 Vikings season. This is the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm Tatum Everett inside TCO Radio Studios with Gabe Henderson and Jay Nelson. Our producer is Eric Davidson, and we're also excited to have Mark Rosen join us today from the KFN Studios. Of course, you hear him on KFN, see him on Fox 9's Game Day Live all season long. Rosie, you are in the building. You witnessed Sunday. How you feeling? You know, uh, worse today than I did on <laughs> Monday, to be honest with you. I think the reality of the abruptness of uh, any season, in particular this one, gets a little harder a couple days later. You take a step back and you look at it from a different sort of viewpoint, though, and, and it, it wasn't a fluke. It, it wasn't a tip ball. It wasn't a Hail Mary. It wasn't a Minneapolis miracle that undid the Vikings. Uh, the Giants were just a better football team uh, on Sunday. So... You take solace in the fact that maybe they just weren't as good as their record showed all year. They won all those one-score games, but it still hurts because you work all season long to get that that home field advantage, to win the division, and get that home field. And it's supposed to mean something, mean a lot, even if the journey ended the following week. But the fact they weren't able to cash in, I think, hurts a little bit more um, because they had that opportunity. And you don't always get those opportunities. Uh, They don't come along all that often to not just win your division, but to host uh, a playoff game. And so they let that opportunity slip away. Yeah, and uh, a play that that really, you know, kind of solidified that game was, uh, I think it was 12 minutes uh, left in the fourth quarter. We were were fourth and one. Uh, Mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins, QB sneaks, gets it. And then we see a flag from the far sideline for a false start. So that kind of, you know, pushed us back a little bit. We settled for a field goal, tie the game, and that changed the momentum. Uh, was there a play in Sunday's game that, that, that stood out to you that, that kind of 
you know, summarize why the Vikings couldn't figure it out? Well, I think that the, the uh, you mentioned the, the little Christian Derrissaw, a little flip that he had that yep. was called for a um, false start. I think um, conversely, when the Vikings thought there was a false start in the Giants and um, they kind of stood up, at least one, one or two players did, and then uh, Jones drilled the touchdown pass in the end zone. Honestly, I thought, Though not necessarily one play, Gabe and, and Tatum, I thought the first series, after the Vikings went down the field crisply, as we saw a lot of times this year, and put together a wonderful, I think it was a 12-play, 75-yard drive and scored, you know how loud that building was. Mm. And the first play from scrimmage for the Giants, they get called for holding. Now they're backed up. I'm thinking, this is an opportunity for the Vikings to make a statement defensively, to say, uh, we're going to make life miserable for you all day long. The crowd was in a frenzy. And the Giants just calmly went down the field and scored. And I thought, uh-oh, it's going to be one of those games. And really nothing has sort of changed. So it wasn't so much a play. I think it was the, the the statement the Giants made after the Vikings scored when they had a, when their, when their defense had an opportunity to maybe force a punt, make them change the momentum, maybe take a 10 or even potentially 14-point lead. And because the Giants did it with such ease, they they had the confidence, I think, to carry that on through the rest of the day. I think for me, Rosie, one of the things was actually the lack of play in that uh, in games that we had those kind of one-sided or at least one-score games that we were able to, you know, capitalize on. It really came at you know the expense of causing turnovers and forcing the right. other teams when you know defensively, if you were leaky on yardage, that you were causing fumbles and turnovers and interceptions in order to kind of gain that advantage again to score and make up that point differential. And just you never got that in this game. It felt like the Giants were kind of, you know, stretching you across the middle and kind of running you around. And and Mm -hmm. they just they did what they needed to. And it seems like, you know, efficiently and smartly in order to make sure that, you know, they came ahead and and capitalized on their opportunities. So for me, it was more of a a lack of certain plays than it really was some backbreaking play that really just killed you for that game. Yeah, they 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 did it over the course of time and we saw what happened when the Vikings beat him here on Christmas Eve 27-24. Obviously Joseph won it with that 61-yard field goal, but I think the Giants learned a lot from that game yeah. and learned how they could attack this Vikings defense in particular and, and I was very impressed with Daniel Jones. He's, you know, he's a cool customer. Obviously his running hurt the Vikings, but yeah, it really is um, symbolic of what we saw a lot this year. I started going back and looking at all the scores, and and that's when it comes back to bite you a little bit because you realize, man, they had some close calls uh, that may never happen again. Uh, there's so many games. Uh, obviously, they lost the Eagles game, but uh, the Lions game here at, at, at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium, the, the, the Saints game that we were at in London where the double doink, but the Saints had, had come back. You know, the Bears game here, the Dolphins game when Tua didn't play, the Cardinals made it interesting, the Commanders made it interesting, the Bills, the great comeback against the Bills in Buffalo, all these games, and they were exciting, and the Vikings deserve all the credit in the world for coming back and finding the resolve to win those games. But there was always that unsettling sort of feeling like they just can't put a team away, and it all came tumbling down. The final, the, the, the first time they lose that game that's a one-score game was the one that really mattered the most. Exactly. You think of uh, what Quasi Adofa Mensa and Kevin O'Connell talked about today. I think one of mm-hmm. the pressers or one of the media members asked them about those close games. And, and is it a fluke that you're 11-0 or 11-1 rather now in one-score games? But Quasi was pretty upfront. He's like... We're, we think that being situational masters is mm-hmm. is is what's going to be 
advantageous. It's not going to happen like that, but they plan better to be in those areas after what had happened the previous two seasons. And so now you see that come to fruition. Is that how you see it? Do you see this team as being very situationally motivated? I do offensively. Yes, I do. And I think they learned a lot this year. And I, I think even at the till the bitter end, uh, when they didn't convert you know, the fourth down pass, which fell short, um, they had the confidence that they were going to go down the field and tie this game up. And I think that they learned those lessons. And I, I, I do see that carrying over. I, I think the, the trust they have in, in uh, KOC and, and the, uh, the play calling, the way the Cousins reacted to it, we, of course, will have to see how all the personnel shakes out, uh, even offensively. But, yeah, it's it's a learning experience. But that's, you know, guess what? That's the NFL, too. I mean, look at some of the other games that we saw over the weekend. You, you have to find ways to win those games. And and I think the Vikings learned a lot. And I think situationally, um, they have an opportunity to, to do it again, maybe not with the same same success ratio, but the confidence that they have that I haven't seen in a couple of years here to find a way to win. And even at the, to, like I said, to the bitter end, that offense was doing what it took. Um, and Cousins wasn't sacked. They didn't have a turnover. He was completing, what, 80% of his, everything was going their way. Uh, they shut down Jefferson, give him credit. J.J. was not a huge factor, especially after, you know, the second half. Um, that somehow has to change. They still have to find a way of getting the getting the football somehow, some way, however they have to motion him. Uh, to get the ball in that young man's hands because he's your moneymaker. Uh, and, and that's something that uh, I'm sure they're going to spend a lot of time on as, he, as his career progresses here in Minnesota. He's our champagne problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll be able to afford a lot of champagne pretty soon. <laughs> uh, indeed. Um, and and <laughs> I feel like there there is no good transition to my question um, because – yeah, while, while, you know, J.J.'s pain will be champagne, the pain this offseason is going to be how do you boost this defense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the the, the mm-hmm. chunk plays allowed versus the Giants per Chris Long was that the Vikings had, they gave up 20 plays of 10 or more yards against the Man. Giants. And that, that raises a lot of questions going into this offseason. Um, someone asked uh, Kevin O'Connell earlier, how do you address this Ed Donatel situation? What what did you take right. from the press conference today? Well, I mean, it's it's kind of what I expected because you know even after seeing and, and witnessing uh, you know the Rick Spielman's news conferences over the years, and you're not going to get a lot of information you know a few days after the season ends. Their valuation process is continuing. I mean, I'd be very very surprised if Ed Donatel comes back. I mean, he's 65 and. This isn't his first rodeo. He understands it. And again, I, I'm, I'm not all the blame should be heaped on him. You can talk about scheme versus personnel. Um, I Honestly, guys, I, I was a little surprised when I saw the personnel that was going to line up for the Vikings this year. The return of a healthy Daniil Hunter, Zadarius Smith being signed, Harrison Phillips kind of clogging up the middle, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson. And then you got a Patrick Peterson, and you, yeah. you got veterans, you got young players, you got. I thought they'd be not necessarily a top ten defense, but a defense that would win football games for you. But they just never got to be able, like you said earlier, to be able to make that get that key turnover, the key interception. They had a couple of them, they certainly did, but not enough. So I I I, I think that because of the salary cap situation and knowing what's going to be happening, we're going to see, and they should. There should be plenty of changes, and hopefully some of the young guys. You know, we saw, uh, sadly, when Louis when he, when he broke his leg in London against the Saints and Yuck. and Booth never got healthy. I mean, these guys are young players they have to sort of count on. 
uh, for the future in in the defensive backfield because they're not going to be able to keep everybody. It's just not going to happen. They're not going. They can shave money off, but whether it's Harrison Smith, whether it's Adam Thielen, whether it's you know, there's a there's a bunch of guys that just they're not going to be able to fit under the cap. Is there anyone Rosie that you really feel like one or two players that took a you know giant step forward? that you can kind of focus on to, to be positive for, for, you know, next year and beyond. Is there anyone on this roster that really you felt like stepped up this year and really contributed to, to help this team? Well, I think before, um, not that he wasn't on it, his arc wasn't rising, but I, I thought Brian O'Neill, number one in the offensive line, Brian O'Neill, Christian Darisaw had a stud year. I mean, I thought, I mean, when he was healthy, all those issues over the years, is saying, who's going to play left tackle for this team? I think they've got their solution. I mean, he's um, he's uh, he's a he's a player that you can rally around and, and anchor your your offensive line around. And Brian O'Neill, once he gets healthy, I think those guys took both took big steps and to anchor that line. You can fill in the pieces, I think, in between. Um, but both of those guys offensively and uh, did a marvelous job. And I thought, um, you know, again at times, you know, KJ Osborne. Um, looked like he was going to be kind of a guy they could really count on. I think uh, Cousins got more and more comfortable and confident in him as the season wore on. I'm anxious to see where what uh, his career is going to be like in the next couple of years. Another interesting turn is that uh, Kirk Cousins with a great season. Not really an interesting turn. I think everyone kind of expected this, but this staff is really happy with the way he played, and the expectation is that Kirk will mm-hmm. be the quarterback moving forward. I thought that was one of the bigger takeaways from this presser. Well, I, I think so, too, and rightfully so, because Kirk did have it. I mean, statistically, people like to break down all sorts of analytics, and I just kind of roll my eyes and shrug my shoulders about a lot of that because he passed the eye test. He's never going to be um, one of those guys that's going to run consistently to help you, you know, like even Daniel Jones did. But he I was just about to say Daniel year. Jones. What's that? I was just about to say Daniel Jones. You're talking yeah, about. Yeah, man. He but they had a good scheme going. Yeah. They they schemed that. It wasn't even a question of coverage was breaking down all the time. They schemed a lot of those runs, and he did really well with them. But but Cousins, uh, you know, I think that that's the the confidence and the the level he and uh, KOC had was working really well. And I I mean for for all the slings and arrows that uh, that Kirk Cousins and sometimes rightfully took over the you know the past you know three three years or so. This was not one of the years to do that. Um, he was um, he was good. He was really good, and I know he, he'll be back certainly next year. And uh, we'll see what happens beyond that. But um, that that's not a bad place to be. Again, you can now argue the Vikings don't have a running quarterback. Well, they don't. I mean, he's he can run when when necessary, but doesn't mean that you know you can't win with a guy like that. I mean. I don't know if uh, Mr. Purdy in San Francisco is going to be doing that. I will find out. Um, but we know that there are other quarterbacks who are mobile that are, that are playing football starting this weekend. But um, Cousins can win with this team. He's not the reason why the Vikings fell short in the playoffs. Yeah, it just feels like, you know, one of the things that's been a criticism of running quarterbacks is they just can't stay healthy. And so yeah, you yeah. hope that a guy like Kirk, you know, who's been around as long as he has in this league, He's definitely proven that he's got the arm talent in order to to help the team succeed. So you just kind of look at it and say, as long as this guy who so far, at least for us, has been kind of an Iron Man, taking a lot of shots and stuff that, you know, he can continue that in the future and be that solid guy back there, a quarterback that that you're looking for. Yeah, durability is extremely important. And um, I think you look around the league and, and in our own division with Justin Fields and what his future is going to be in Chicago. I mean, he's he's got a world of talent, but can he stay healthy? There's a lot of quarterbacks um, that are broadcasting now who are running quarterbacks like RG3. <laughs> uh, Lamar Jackson's situation, what's going on in, in Baltimore, where they are obviously at odds with management right now and what his future is going to be because... 
Um, uh, he doesn't sound like he's going to be long for that organization. And you look at a Lamar Jackson, the talent he has, and the and how that team changed without him at quarterback. But again, it's a risk because he runs so much. And you know, over time, we'll see. I mean, uh, whether it's you know Patrick Mahomes, uh, of course, or 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 what's going on with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia, you you got to you got to do it more than one year. And that's that's the problem with a lot of these quarterbacks. And Mahomes certainly has done it more than one year. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's at the top of his game and will continue to be so for quite a few years. Well, you got a Pro Bowl draft, well, combine. Dra- there, there's mm. so many dates leading up to uh, when this Minnesota Vikings team will get together. But um, the, the the date that I have circled as uh, April 17th. That's What's when that? um, veterans mm-hmm. can report back to the facility and uh, start working <laughs> out. And um, yeah. I, I'm 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 not getting my hopes up just yet since it's still kind of still kind of fresh this loss. I mean, we're recording this on the Wednesday and I still haven't right. gotten over it, but at the same time, Kevin O'Connell said the moniker this year will be championship standard instead of competitive mm-hmm. rebuild. When when you think of championship standard, how does that apply uh, to this upcoming Minnesota Vikings team. Well, I th- that's a great point, and I think it's a great statement that that was made because I think when this the whole thing began a year ago, I think a lot of fans, maybe people were in media, people are questioning whether or not they were going to kind of reboot this whole thing and just kind of start over. You're going to keep some key people, obviously, but that basically we're going to almost do what the Bears did. I mean, and and almost bottom out and, and take and start over again. Well, they obviously didn't, and I think now that is the championship. That's the that's the level you have to reach. And uh, and strive for, and there's plenty of ways you can do it. There's not one way with salary cap and everything else. And the, and the NFL, as we all know, never has a, a week off. I mean, it's always there's always something in the news. And I, th- I think for the Vikings, it's going to be a very very important. This is where these guys, the front office, really makes their makes their money. This is where they make their keep. They have some big decisions to make. And um, I, I think you trust in what Quasey is going to do, and and in particular with with Rob Brzezinski and. And uh, making those right decisions and then, you know, capitalizing. They, they'll always massage the cap. You can always extend contracts and people think, oh, they can't sign this guy or that guy. I, I guarantee you they'll sign a free agent or two. They'll, they'll be out there and some people will be gone that they may be made popular players. But I think their, their aspirations should be starting with what happened on Sunday. That's where this, this conversation begins. Yeah, I think this is where the emotions start to come out of it. And you start to put your business hat on and you start to yep. make those really tough decisions. Although emotionally, you can look back and know this is one of the best seasons, I think, that uh, we've seen in, in, in quite some time oh. for this Vikings team. And I know, Mark, you've been covering this squad for so long. And in, in all of your years of being on this Vikings beat, mm-hmm. and I know you were up close and personal this year with Fox 9's Game Day right. Live. Right. How did this season compare? It was, it was. Uh, you just, you just nailed it, Tatum. It was a lot of fun, and I think in talking to fans and leaving the stadium, uh, people were really having a great time. I mean, it, it was, even you know, yeah, they got, they got waxed a couple times, but my <laughs> goodness, um, the drama that you know, the the Giants game. I mean, there's so many ones that you know, coming back from the Dallas beatdown, they come back and beat the Patriots on Thanksgiving night. I mean, the the, the buzz in the air, the excitement level for this team. The Vikings have always been and probably will always be the team in Minnesota that fans follow the most. And it's just the way it is going back to when I was covering him when Bud Grant was the head coach. And that's not going to change. It, it changed for a little while before, to be honest with you, right before um, they, they drafted Randy Moss in 98. They were about, they were facing blackouts, uh, TV blackouts here. It was, it was that point where people had kind of just for the first time, the apathy had kind of 
gripped what was going on. Randy Moss changed all of that. I I, I will go back and I will swear on a stack of whatever. Uh, that 98 season is the one that, that still bugs me the most because that may have been the most prolific offense I had ever seen in the National Football League. And that, that turned this whole franchise around. And ever since 98, people, win or lose, they've been engaged with this franchise again. And I think now they have an opportunity with a new generation, new head coach, kind of new feeling. And I think what they started this year, what they built this year, people are not going to abandon this football team. Um, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, they're going to they're gonna be back. And, uh, and, and so it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, had, I know you guys did. I had an absolute blast covering this team. It was, they, they liked each other. They got along great. Um, you know, you could feel it. There was a different atmosphere. It was great to see Kevin O'Connell, you know, you know, high-fiving his players when they're getting off the, off the field. You know, people like that. I mean, it's just, it's not just a rah-rah, phony thing. It's who he is. And that's, that's real. And the players picked up on it. I think the thing too, if you really think about it, Randy was right at that time when he said they don't play PlayStation like us. And, <laughs> and, and having that kind of an offense was right. something that really kept everyone engaged. And I think, you know, you have the prospects of, you know, Justin Jefferson being the best wide receiver in this league coming up. You have the ability to to lean on the mm-hmm. fact that you for the third time in team history, you had 13 wins in a season, Amazing. Um, 13 or more wins in a season. And I think the, the future and prospects are bright on that. At the same time, though, the NFC North is going to get a lot tougher next season. Oh, yeah. It feels like, you know, with the Motor City Kitties really jumping up this year and figuring it out the second half. And I know it always changes year to year because of the strength of schedule for different teams. But you, you kind of get the feeling of, once again, you don't know what's going to happen in Green Bay with their quarterback situation. Right. The Lions are on the the ascent. The Bears had that down year, but they're going to get the number one pick coming up here in the draft. And you feel like they're going to kind of do a, a revamp and reload with uh, you know the GM and then with Kevin Warren and those kind of guys coming mm-hmm. in to help with the leadership structure. So looking ahead to next season, you know, what are your kind of feelings looking at what this NFC North is going to be? Well, I, I like that uh, because it does put the pressure and they realize uh, the, the complexion of this division will change immediately. And the Lions, the Lions potentially could be the preseason favorites to win the NFC North next year. I mean, that's just the way, it. you know, uh, you know, it's it's the it's the model of the day, so to speak. It's like, who are you going to pat on the back? And then they may very well be. Um, but I think it does put the pressure back squarely on, on the Vikings management to make sure that they do have those championship aspirations. It's not no one's going to hand them anything next year. Um, and, and that's the way you want your division to be. I mean, Tampa Bay won the division. They they got they fell flat on their faces. They got beat by Dallas. They you know they were eight and nine, and they looked like an eight and nine team. They looked like a, a three and fourteen team. To be honest with you, the other night. So you just don't know. The NFC East was supposed to be kind of weak this year. They end up with three. There's got three teams playing. So I mean, it's it's kind of crazy that uh, things do work out in a way that you don't expect it to be. But I, because the division Jay is going to be better next year, I think that I guess really does make this, this management team work even harder this offseason because there's nothing that's going to be given to them. Absolutely, and I think the the feeling that I have about it for next year, too, is you know this league, there's always kind of the 50% turnover for playoff, mm-hmm. but the whole idea then is having championship aspirations and expectations. The idea on that is just to build consistency year to year, and I think as you know, Kwesi and Kevin are able to go through and kind of revamp the roster and figure out what they need for their personnel. Kind of, you know, they're they're still in that weird kind of transition from they are previous yeah. previous GM and previous regime to where they are now. And there's usually kind of that two to three year window. But the difference is if they're going to be able to stay competitive here during that transition, then that's something that at least 
also makes it attractive for outside possible people to be signed and yeah. want to come here because they feel like we still have a winning tradition or at least aspirations to do so versus other teams that you feel like it might be another two, three years. And they have to really be honest with themselves and say, is the money worth, you know, right. uh, giving up that chunk of their career because, you know, just to make sure it would work. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, the the competitive rebuild slash championship aspirations and and feeling that way, you know, they, they're able to kind of navigate those waters and still be successful and, and fun and competitive for not only themselves, but for the fans. Yeah, yeah good point. If you want to change the national narrative, um, you have to do it with defense, first of all. I think you have to get noticed that way. You can't have a point differential when you're winning as many games as the Vikings did in the negative. It just... You know, and I and I kind of poo pooed a little even in leading into last week's game, thinking, well, big deal, they won all these one score games, but you know what, it, it ended up coming home the roost, I and mean, it, it did. And so, in order for the the national narrative to change, they have to establish that this is this defense isn't going to be pushed around anymore. They're going to be able to make plays. They're they're making whether it's a scheme, whether it's just different personnel, whatever it might be. Their offense isn't going to change drastically. Um, they may have Thielen may be here, maybe not be here. Dalvin Cook, we'll see what happens with him. But we know it's going to be J.J., you know it's going to be Kirk Cousins. You still have most of that offensive line probably intact. The change is going to have to come on defense, and that's where the perception of this team is going to have to change as well. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think, um, you know, kind of that narrative of our offense being, you know, so good and then our defense not being as great has been the, I guess, the talking point the last two to three years. So I, I think for me it's just, you know, where do you start? And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Quasey and Kevin, they'll answer that this offseason because there are a lot of questions to be answered on the defensive side of the ball. But um, with, with, you know, such a limited amount of cap space and right. um, such a limited amount of time, and we still we still don't really know uh, the personality of, you know, Quasey's style of drafting and mm-hmm. how he uh, analyzes. So there, there's a lot of questions this offseason, which is, you know, not going to be as busy as last year trying to, you know, get this new regime up to par, but at the same time, I think it'll be fun. When they were trading down, people were going crazy. Remember yeah, the tra- right. draft night. What is he doing? <laughs> you know, and well, I mean, <laughs> and so that's the thing that the the predictability, the unpredictability of draft night in particular. But um, you got to get an influx of young talent. That's just the way this this league works. Uh, and you got to find those gems. It doesn't have to be a first round pick. It could be a fourth round pick, a fifth yeah. round pick, a free agent you pick up. We've seen guys come off the street and play. At a high level. So, I mean, you can see that happening, and that's where you have to have a keen eye. Your scouting department, it's all – you guys know that in that building. It's 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 um, it's it's all hands on deck. I mean, you got to listen to the right people and, and find those gems that, that, that can help turn your team around because it doesn't take a lot. It most definitely is. And I know they mentioned this in the presser as well, but the foundation they feel like is in place to mm-hmm. create that championship style, that championship uh, look for this team moving forward. And thank you to a champion in his own right, Mark Rosen, for being on our oh, podcast Kevin, thanks, today. Jay, but, hey, it's been a blast work with you guys all year. And Jay, you know, when you're one of my favorite people. So thanks thanks for having me uh, have, <laughs> having me on today. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate your time. And, and you know, just at the end, I wanted to give out just a few thank yous. Uh, a big thank you to the fans this season for all of their support for this team. I feel like I felt the love mm-hmm. of, of this team or for this team more than ever. The crowd at U.S. Bank Stadium was always so loud. I think probably some of the loudest games I've ever been to in my life, by far. Um, And that's also a huge shout-out to the game presentation team here at the Vikings for putting on a masterful show each and every day, culminating in an amazing one for the playoffs Mm -hmm. game on Sunday. Um, You know, if you have a chance and if you're curious – 
Fox 9 did do a 30-minute documentary um, following our game press and how that kind of sets up for the day. You can find that on their YouTube page. Super good because they are really an incredible team and a Um, I'll ramble just a little bit longer. Vikings Entertainment Network in general between the audio channels that Jay does a lot and Eric does a lot with. And then you also just our teams, anything on the YouTube page. It takes a village. It truly takes a village. And I hope that you've enjoyed everything we've done this season and continue to do as we roll into the offseason. So, um, yeah, the the podcast don't stop. No, they don't. It'll continue on, and so will a couple of things on Vikings.com as well as the app. But, uh, but yeah, 2022 was a memorable season for sure, and we appreciate you guys for coming along on the ride with us. Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kids.